we're going to open our Bibles to the little bitty tiny book of Philemon, or Philemon. This letter seems to describe the reason behind Paul writing two other letters, and that would be the letter to the Ephesians, which we're going to do right after Philemon, and the letter to the people at Colossae, or Colossians, that is parallel to the letter to the Ephesians. These seem to take place at the very tail end of Paul's detention at Rome, awaiting for imperial review. All three letters express in some form or fashion the anticipation that release is coming soon and that travel will once again commence for the Apostle Paul and that he plans on visiting the people addressed in these letters. Now, we know that the book of Acts ends with Dr. Luke saying that Paul spent two full years ministering from his own private residence in the city of Rome to people coming to him. Uh, At the end of the book, he has not yet had his imperial review. So that timing takes us to the very first few months of the year 63. My guess is that not too terribly long after Luke finished his letter and sent it off to Theophilus, word came through that Paul's case was about to be heard. And he begins to write to some of these folks he plans on visiting. And so I believe these three letters, Philemon, Ephesians, and Colossians, are all written during the probably late spring, early summer, maybe into the middle of summer of 63. And we will construct a theorized itinerary after his release once we push past these three letters. Philemon is a very personal letter. And as I said, I think it generates the production of the other two. Since Paul feels the need to reach out to this person named Philemon with specific information that needs to be acted on before Paul heads that direction. All right, so with that background, let's read the letter. Paul, a prisoner, or as I've been pointing out, this is the word for bonds, because he's not like sitting in a jail cell somewhere. He's not in a penitentiary. He is chained day by day to apparently a plain-clothed member of the Praetorian Guard, uh, in his, and he's in his own private living space. Uh, he's using it almost like a home church setting and a home Bible college setting. Uh, so he is detained, but he's not to be thought of as some sort of, of convict behind bars. So Paul 
a detainee of Christ Jesus. Now, isn't that interesting? He says, I'm here not because the Romans are keeping me here, but because Jesus is holding me in place here. And from Timothy, our brother. So Timothy was mentioned in the last letter we read. That would be the letter to the Philippians. Uh, So he is continuing to be the main ministerial companion to the Apostle Paul. He is his protege. Then comes the address to Philemon, our beloved, and the word brother is not actually, I think, in the text. Uh, It's just our beloved one and our fellow worker. So Philemon is clearly someone Paul already knows. Paul already has a tight-knit relationship with, someone that has worked with the Apostle Paul in ministry uh, when Paul was probably in uh, Asia, uh, that is the province of Roman Asia. He is no doubt a Christian and a prominent leader in the church at Colossae, as we will discover. Verse 2, and to Aphia our sister, or it's just the sister. The word are is the modifier for a personal pronoun is not there. Um, how she's related, uh, maybe she's just being addressed as a sister in Christ. Maybe she is Philemon's sister. Uh, maybe she is Archippus's sister. Uh, but whoever she is, Paul makes sure her name is mentioned. And to Archippus, our fellow soldier. Now, it's unlikely he is a soldier soldier. Paul is probably speaking metaphorically here. That Archippus is a soldier of Christ. That is a fellow minister. Which, in the book of Colossians, he is mentioned. In chapter number uh, 4, verse 17, it says, Say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. So it sounds like he is a soldier of the cross with with, uh, the Apostle Paul. And then to the ecclesia, the church in your house. Uh, The church is apparently meeting in Colossae, at least one element of it, in the private residence of Philemon. And then we see the typical greetings, the double greeting from the Apostle Paul, Charis and Erene, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, So grace is the more Gentile greeting, peace, shalom, the more Hebrew greeting, But they are both focused on the idea that we get our grace, unmerited favor, our our good things, uh, and we get our peace, the, the restored relationships. We get that from God, and we get it by the actions of Jesus Christ. So it's always good to emphasize that in our minds as these letters begin. Now, Paul goes to his typical thank you section. I thank my God always, making mention of you in my prayers, 
So he talks to God about Philemon. Because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. So he knows that Philemon is a good man, that he loves God with 100% of his being, and he loves people as Christ loves people. And he has a faith in Jesus as his Savior, and he has a trust uh, that Jesus wants others saved and sanctified. Verse 6, And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. Uh, Fellowship is the commonness. It's the thing that everyone is going to bound together by. And, of course, that would be salvation in Christ and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And so he has this fellowship of faith that's making things work together for good uh, to the people that are there as believers in Colossae. Verse 7, For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. So he compliments him on taking good care of God's people in the church there at Colossae. Verse 8, Therefore, though I have enough confidence in Christ to order you to do what is proper, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you. So now he gets to the meat of why he's sending this letter. He says, I am... I have the freedom of speech, the confidence that through Jesus Christ, I could tell you what you have to do. But because I love you and appreciate your love for other people and for God, I'm instead going to request that you do this on your own accord. Since I am such a person as Paul... The aged, do not get distracted by that word, by our modern-day thinking. Uh, When we talk about people being aged, we're usually thinking they're up in their 90s and pushing their century mark and things like that. Uh, This word, though, in Jewish circles in particular, um, was triggered when a person hit 50 or 51. Then you were considered an older person in society. You were an elder in society. Now, this letter, as I already told you, I think is being written right around 63. And I believe the Apostle Paul would have just recently turned 50. And so now he's thinking of himself as more the older person, uh, asking everyone else to show some um, respect for his, his years of experience in ministry. So such as I am, such a person as Paul, the aged one, or the elder, or the guy that's 50 or 51, and now also a detainee of Christ Jesus. There's that bondage word again. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my 
imprisonment or my detainment, my bondage, who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful both to you and to me. Now, who is this Onesimus? Uh, Well, he is a slave. He was someone that was serving as a slave to Philemon back in Colossae. Uh, His his word, his name, literally means useful. But there is an irony here. Onesimus had run away from home. We don't know how old he is. We don't know how he ended up being a slave. Remember, in this context, slavery happened typically because of funding issues. You either went into debt and you ended up becoming a slave because of your own choices. Or your family or your um, community went into debt and you ended up becoming part of the payoff in human service uh, for that debt. Uh, People were sometimes grabbed after wars uh, to help offset some of the cost of that war. We're talking about civilians now, not just simply uh, prisoners of war who used to be combatants. We're talking about locals would sometimes be caught up and sold as slaves in order to recoup some of the cost of the war. Uh, So however it was that he became a slave, he had requirements to do whatever it was that Philemon told him to do. He was supposed to be useful, just like his name. Uh, But unfortunately, he was useless and ran off. But he ran to Rome. Now, that's a long ways away from Colossae. But he ends up in Rome, and for whatever reason, either by his own free will choice or by some sort of serendipity, intervention of God's providence, he comes into contact with the Apostle Paul, who knows Philemon, who might even know Onesimus, and Onesimus repents of his running away. And he becomes a follower of Jesus Christ, apparently through the ministry of the Apostle Paul. That's why he talks about having begotten him like a spiritual child during my detainment. Uh, And now Paul wants to bring these two estranged individuals back into connection with one another. Now, in the Roman society, there could be very severe repercussions for a slave that ran away from their master, including, but not always, but sometimes execution. Uh, Because um, a slave didn't just simply run away, they took all the value of their service away with them. So it's a defrauding financially of the slaveholder. And so Paul says in verse 12, I have sent him back to you in person. That is sending my very heart. So it is clear from that that he is carrying this letter. And he seems to be involved in carrying the letter to the Colossian church as well. 
Uh, so Paul has sent him back to face the consequences of his choice to run away. Verse 13, whom I wish to keep with me. So Paul said, I really would have liked to keep him as my own personal servant so that on your behalf he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel, my detainment here, uh, when we were going through the letter uh, to the Philippians. I told you that Epaphroditus seems to have been sent by the Philippian church to be a gopher, a runaround uh, helper for the Apostle Paul at Rome because he can't just go out and do stuff. And so here is Paul saying, you know, Philemon, I really kind of wanted to keep him around to be my gopher, to be my runaround person, to, to take care of errands and things for me while I'm here detained because of my ministry for the gospel. But, verse 14, without your consent, I did not want to do anything, that is, any such thing so that your goodness would not be in effect by compulsion, but rather of your own free will. So Paul makes it plain to Philemon, I'm sending him back to you, even though I'd like to have kept him, because that would not be right. You are in control of his life because he is working off whatever this indebtedness is in your service. He is under your control. And therefore, if he were to serve as my runaround guy here in Rome, it would have to because it would have to happen because you wanted it to happen. Then Paul continues his persuasive writing to Philemon. He says, verse 15. Perhaps he was for this reason separated from you for a while that you would have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave. A beloved brother, especially to me, but now much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Uh, so Paul says, you know what, Philemon? Maybe all of this happened for a good reason. Because he was useless to you and ran away. He was not helping you out a bit. But now, because he's embraced Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and he's ready to come back and work for you as if he were working for Jesus Christ, he's going to do you so much more. And it's not just that he's going to be a better slave. He's actually going to be your brother in Christ. And you guys will become partners in what happens from here on out. Uh, I already appreciate him as my brother in Christ. And I expect that you will appreciate him as that as well. Now, it's interesting that this letter is the is the prompting, this event is the prompting of the writing of the book of Colossians and the book of Ephesians. Because in both of those books, Paul writes a section about the Christian responsibilities 
of slaves to obey their masters and to work hard for them as if they're working for Jesus Christ himself and to not be lazy and shiftless and worthless in that effort, but to be genuine in wanting to do what's best. Uh, And then also a reaching out to the masters saying, don't abuse your slaves. Think of them being human beings, your fellow humans, and in some cases, your fellow Christians, and treat them with thoughtfulness. And so those, those commandments uh, in Ephesians and Colossians are generated in large part by this example of a master-slave relationship that has now become a brother-and-brother-in-Christ relationship. Now, don't get us wrong, he still has to work off his debt. He still has to work off whatever it was uh, that was making him a slave. It's true that Philemon could spontaneously declare him free. That's certainly his prerogative. Uh, But the relationship... Uh, of master-servant is still going to be intact. It's just now modified by Christianity. Verse 17, he says, If then you regard me as a partner, accept him as you would me. So Paul is appealing uh, to Philemon, treat him like you'd treat me. Now, if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. And no doubt he does owe money because he's been away, not working. And Paul says, if that's how you want to go, put it on my bill. Now, I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. And we know he did that in a lot of his letters to show that it was genuine. But in this case, what's happening is he's writing out a handwritten promissory note. says, I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. Whatever the bill is, I'll take care of it. It's right here in my own handwriting. And then (laughs) you have to laugh a little bit at this. He then puts in a little parenthetical comment. Not to mention that you owe to me even your own self as well. So apparently Paul was involved in the conversion of Philemon, which means that Philemon owes him for bringing the gospel to his life and uh, bringing him into eternal salvation. And so Paul puts a little bit of pressure on him that I need you to do the right thing here, sir. Uh, Now, verse 20, yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. So make me happy. Let me hear that you're welcoming him back, not as a runaway slave that needs to be punished, but as a repentant and now converted brother in Jesus Christ and put him to work, Uh, not just simply for yourself, but for the gospel. And by the way, there is this long-standing tradition from very early on that Onesimus became a prominent leader in the church at Colossae. Uh, once he came back and uh, started living his life for Christ. Verse 21, 
having confidence in your obedience, I write to you since I know that you will do even more than what I say. Philemon's a good guy. Paul knows that. And he knows that just by putting this in front of him, he'll do the right thing. He has great confidence in that. And then we have the information that I kind of started with in the introduction. And that is, verse 22, At the same time, also prepare me a lodging, for I hope that through your prayers I will be given to you. So Paul now is apparently getting word that his imperial review is coming closer and closer to happening. And he has every confidence, every expectation, the moment that happens, that Nero will declare him innocent of any charges and released from custody. And he will then be able to travel. And it is evident from this letter, one of the places he plans on traveling is Colossae. And he wants a place to lay his head uh, at Philemon's house whenever he gets there. Um, verse 23, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you. Now, I don't know if Epaphras had done something that got him in trouble as well, uh, and he ended up at Rome as a prisoner, or is Paul speaking metaphorically here? That just like Paul is detained at Rome and ministering during this time of detainment, Epaphras is right there by his side, uh, helping him uh, during this time. Uh, as do Mark, that's John Mark, who writes the Gospel of Mark at some point after this. Aristarchus, whom we've heard of before. Damus, Lucas, which is Dr. Luke, my fellow workers. So here, all these guys are with the Apostle Paul in Rome at this time. And then he finishes his letter as is so often the case, the grace, the grace, the unmerited favor of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. When we come back tomorrow, we are going to pick up the letter of Ephesians, which was certainly generated by the Apostle Paul right at this time.